we went we were committed to making this group but it took me a year to get home and when I got home uh, Dave was like oh you know uh, we really we really need to get something up because people are saying where is this group that we've started talking about and I said look it's great it's fine the name's wrong we need to call it surface for cetaceans otherwise it sounds like we're just we're okay with whales being in sanctuaries but you can kill them anywhere else and um and he said, oh, cetaceans, people aren't going to like that. I said, listen, you and I are both from New Zealand. The Aussies can just man up and own the word just because they like sim- simplifying the English language. It's not good enough for us. And so and I said, plus we can call the group S numeral 4C, S4C. And that's where we're basically often known as S4C. And in becoming that, a lot of other groups have started to do the same thing. Because of us, a group started in South Africa called Youth for Community, Y4C, and then Women for Wales, W4W, and Women for Wales was the name I came up after a Sea Shepherd undercover campaign in the Faroes. But it's it it anyway, we, we plumbed for that, and we've had trouble with it because people say, surface for crustaceans? Or surface for citations? We go, yeah, that's a good one, surface for citations. And then, uh, oh, I don't know, people hear all sorts of things. But it's fine, you know, it's the right word, representing whales and dolphins. But our, our remit's become wider than that, of course. We've also spoken up for, against shark finning and um, against the shark nets along the coast here, all, all those kind of things, plus speaking for turtles. and We're a pretty loose group. We don't ask for money. We are a registered uh, not-for-profit, but we don't actually ever really ask for money. We just sort of wing it um, by the odd donations that do come in. And we do these actions without really making a big fuss in advance. We tend to talk about things after we've done them. So there's often people are like, are these guys doing anything? Often it's just writing submissions, going into schools. It's a whole lot of stuff that's... They're really important things to do, particularly writing to politicians and teaching young people. I think they're two of the most valuable things you can actually do. Do you have much to do with politicians? Do you engage with politicians at a formal level? I would say yes and no. Definitely uh, had plenty of occasions speaking with politicians and of course there's people like Ian Cohen who are sympathetic to the cause of surfer and so on. I got Ian to represent on our behalf on the floor of New South Wales Parliament about a stranding that was totally not only mismanaged but seemed to be actually a brutal, as far as I'm concerned, a brutal murder of a neonatal humpback whale just up the coast here. And I was the whistleblower on that and copped a lot of flack but the fact of the matter is it was a brutal mismanagement of a stranding. And this sort of thing still goes on here in Australia. There's things that we've been doing behind the scenes. I like your use of the language because language controls thought in many ways and it controls propaganda and you know so many things. And you've said the murder of a humpback whale, was it? And that's valid. I mean, the death of another being, another creature, is, it, is a, it is a murder, but it's never put into that context really, is it? The- the killing of that whale was called a euthanasia, but actually I did all the research uh, on National Parks and Wildlife Service and uh, regulations around all that, and not a single one of the eight reasons to euthanise a whale applied to this whale, and National Parks you know, broke over 15 of their own protocols. So we're still at odds on that sort of thing, but the most important thing is to try and work with those people who have jurisdiction over the um, strandings and so on to change things for the better. There's a lot of things that get set in place and then are kept just because they've been set in place, but they become an anachronism. I mean, shark nets or inefficient bridles for pulling whales out of a stranding and so on. 
these are a lot of things that are, could be improved all the time. So the real issue, I think, is about, in any environmental situation, is having to interface with politicians, having to interface with um, the organisations that are structured underneath National Heritage Trust and the Department of Conservation, you know, having to work with people um, rather than just always be in direct conflict. And so working to create improvement because... Um, uh, I mean, in, at, at the end of the day, one likes to think that everyone is on side with Wales. Raising awareness is a really important thing to do. You know, you've mentioned going into schools, but I think people, they aren't often aware of what... I think people in the Byron region are probably more aware and have more consciousness. <coughs> but overall, it is important. I think getting that message out there, and it's changing a culture. I think the Japanese have finally taken their last whale. No, in fact, the moratorium, which I was talking before about Jean-Paul Gouin, you know, a good friend of mine who put that up in 1982, it came into effect in 1986 and was immediately transgressed by Japan, who switched out of commercial whaling operations to research whale operations to continue to go into the Antarctic, which was now declared a whale sanctuary. It was, it was declared a whale sanctuary in 93, So they just switched and carried on in the name of research, but they have said this last thing with the, their, their last campaign in the name of research they came out saying they would t- uh, now go to commercial whaling which means that they'll kill whales in their own waters as they see fit which they've always been stopped from doing by uh, or been regulated to a degree by the international whaling commission the ruling of the southern ocean whale sanctuary is no commercial whaling so that with that ruling of no commercial whaling, Japan is duty-bound not to enter with a whaling fleet now. So that's good news. That's good news, but the fact of the matter is Japan is, is either doing two things. They're either going to continue whaling until there are no whales left kind of thing, or they're going to, they're sort of backing down slowly, like saving face and winding the operation down, because it does cost the Japanese public and Japan's reputation, obviously. Shinzo Abe's, he's dead set for the whole thing and, and the fishing vote. The, the problem with in Japan is that the whaling is tied up with the fishing vote and the politicians always play for the fishing vote because that's how they get in. So whaling isn't needed by Japan. It's not needed by any country. But Norway continues and Iceland continue and Denmark, well, they continue because they want to supply to Japan for money Denmark continues to support the killing of, of whales in the in the Faroe Islands because they don't want to lose the uh, North Sea oil and gas lease that that Faroe Islands represents. So, behind behind the whaling story, it's always just corrupt politics and greed and money, unfortunately. But it would be fair to say it's winding down, and it, it's fair to say that whales have more than enough problems outside of harpooning that are winding them down. You know, entanglement, pollution, plastic, sonar in the sea. It's it's not a great story, but we have a great story here in Australia that we're sticking to the Marine Mammal Act and that humpback whales on the eastern and western seaboard of Australia, born on those coasts, are recovering at the best rate of recovery for whales in the world at 10% a year, which is just fantastic. One of the greatest threats uh, is exploration, mining, going out into the seabeds. That's, and you said sonar, that's been a huge issue that's brought to light recently. Peter Wish Wilson, I was speaking to him not long ago, and they were saying they're trying to stop mining companies going out into um, the Australian sea regions. Can you talk a little bit about that? 
the prominent um, issue, of course, that most people have been alerted to is, is Great Southern Bight, where there's all these oil leases and oil rigs that actually are in operation. It's hard to believe that they operate directly facing the Antarctic, where these huge swells come out of, of the Antarctic. I mean, given deep horizon and everything, it is, it's so illogical, just on a practical level, sort of environmentally reckless to do that. So that's been a huge issue, and surface visitations has been representative in that pushback. Um, Dave Rusevich has just been down there representing the surfing community, screening some movies down there and meeting with the Aboriginal community on the issue. Commercialisation has been a huge issue in the last probably 30 to 40 years, free market, uh, neoliberalism. Companies, corporate responsibility. There's a, a role for corporations, you know, for the big end of town, as they're often called, to play and... Recently, we had the Quicksilver Pro in Coolangatta. There was an opportunity there for those type of companies to stand up for conservation. It doesn't seem to be an issue or a priority for them. What would you say about that? I'd agree, and I guess we've had a small part to play in that, that we've brought the issue to the media. But the, but the direct response there with, the, like you say, the corporate side of surfing, not always been... Um, as much as we'd like. I, I think a company like Patagonia is taking, is taking steps along, following along those lines. With the Quicksilver Pro, last year we went up there and with uh, you know, Dean Jeffries, the whole sort of um, coalition, if you like, against shark nets, went and represented there and stood across the front of all those cameras that are filming right out to the whole world live and um, held up something like, I don't know, over a dozen big banners Dean went back up and did another action up there. When we were first starting out, one of the um, aspects of our inception was that I asked Dave if he would go up to the Quicksilver Pro and represent there on the issue of whaling. So there would be no... Um, the, the, the surfers were fine with doing that. They, they, every, every surfer's for whales and dolphins, you know. And, and the, uh, so Joel Parkinson and Margot and um, Andy Irons or held up signs that Dave quickly made up up at the Quicksilver Pro and handed to them. And that was the first time that something like that had ever happened at a Quicksilver Pro, because that was like 16 years ago or something. And that also channeled us in how we could actually be effective, because it suddenly was like, yeah, this is going to work. We, we can um, get the media to report on this. And so the trick with us, if you like, uh, on, on campaigning is that by having high-profile surfers with us, the media then will run the story and they will run the photos. If, as long as they've got photos of these guys, you know, charging through barrels in Chile or wherever, then in turn they'll put up the photographs of what's actually going down. Like Japan's the best example where 22 of us paddle out on surfboards in the Killing Cove. And just by being in Osaka and having a Mexican standoff for, for 10 days, they didn't kill dolphins for those 10 days. And then we just came down and acted knowing that we were going to have to leave in a few days, we came down and did the actions. And the second one where there was a paddle out with celebrities, um, Isabel Lucas and Hayden Panettiere, Hannah the Mermaid and so on, uh, where they got attacked, sends a huge ripple out around the world because there was foot, there was cameras on those surfers and, and um, CNN was there and CNN connected the whole story immediately to 3,500 news outlets. and. Um, it was very effective. So it's raising that public consciousness, isn't it? Now, basically, you have peaceful activists there that their goal is a very positive goal: is conservation. And 
raising that public consciousness, raising that public awareness around. I think I, I do believe that overall there is more goodness in the world, but it is about letting people know. Your organisation, Surface for Citations, can you spell that for us? Because there is a little bit of confusion. We've had Surface for Citations, Surface for Sanctuaries was one suggestion, but you actually use the scientific names for whales and dolphins. That's uh, Citations C. E-T-A-C-E-A-N-S. It comes from the Greek ceto, meaning monster. And if people want to find you, how do they find you? You know, what events have you got? Anything coming up? Where are you? How do we get you? We have a, a Facebook presence, which is updated every day. Pretty popular. It's followed around the world because, because of the regular updates on whales and dolphin issues. We have a website which you can find by just googling surface for cetaceans or s4cglobal.org. You are an artist as well. We might get you back in another day to talk about your art, Howie, and it's been really good to talk to you. We'll speak to you again soon. It's been a pleasure.